Welcome to Risky Thoughts with Rob and Roy. I'm Rob. And I'm Roy. Today we're going to be talking about an experience that I had some time ago. I used to be a supervisor of like a kind of, I don't know, I want to give too much information, but I was a supervisor and I had a lot of young, like 19-year-old, 18-year-old, 20-year-olds, kind of like under my command. Um, there was a new manager that came in and the guy was like, he was like an older Caucasian dude and he was a, I could tell right off the bat. And we, we, as men, we kind of suss out other men very quickly. You know, we're looking and we're like, who is this guy? Obviously these guys are like kind of all just like dwelling around doing nothing. And, um, I went up to the, the kids, right. And I said, Hey, look at this guy. This guy's our new, you know, manager. Um, I can tell he's a tough guy right off the bat, right? And I want you guys, because you guys are part of my department, to give this guy a very solid handshake. So I said, give me a handshake, right? And they're young kids. And literally nowadays, the kids, they like, they'll daps you with like the side of their arm and it's so light, right? Um, I used to work on a construction site, you know, and I, I was dealing with a lot of tough guys, a lot of, you know, um, old school, like work hard. I want to see how much you can hold. What's your grip on the shit that you have? Um, so these guys, they, they kind of like touch, they graze my hand. And like, I don't know, like even right now, you guys picture it like a slithery kind of like light handshake. It's just disgusting in my opinion. It's, it's actually absolutely disgusting. Like it, <laughs> it makes me feel a certain way. And the place I first learned how to do a handshake was with you and your bosses and there were big shots, you know, building huge buildings and shit like that. It's all, it's a men dominated field. Right. And I, I gave the guy a handshake and he, and he, he made me give him a handshake three times because he's just like, bro, Not like, good I, yo, like he, he gave me a look. Like, he's just like, bro, like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? He's like, no, just give it to me again. And then our, our, our friend from Calgary, a really rough dude, same thing, but I, I grew up in the kind of suburbs in, in Markham, Scarborough, and like this is how we used to do it. But I started to quickly realize like it's it's a very weak thing. Like when you have an opportunity to show strength, uh, why not? So through a handshake, and you know, I just want to bring up this topic because I was thinking about COVID, and you know, people can't handshake anymore, and there's definitely something lost there. Like you know, I, I think back to like the primal times of you know gorillas and monkeys like once again like i am very like kind of um fundamentalist type of type of view you know people like elon Musk share the same type of view like if you can rationalize things through first principles like you're going to get a lot further and you're going to get a lot better of an answer and you know when you look at elon musk and he talks about things he's always using like deltas and graphs and going back and going back and going back it's a hard thing because there's so much unknown but in reality once again we're just monkeys you know, our upper bodies are like big and, um, I'm definitely a naturalist in that sense. So I told these guys to give them a ha hard handshake and one by one, they're like, Hey, and I want you to give them, give a little bit of pep when you, when you say hello. Right. Cause I, this is my team, right? Like I want to know like who I want to let him know who's the boss. Right. Yeah, yeah. And one at a time they're giving him a hard hand and I saw them like, just like young kids are so cute. They're like ha handshaking each other, like nonstop before they could get, and then finally he comes out and literally the look on his eyes is he looked at me 
instantly like you got a hell of a team here exactly he's <laughs> like these kids they're like boys but they can i know wow holy shit i did not expect that from these kids well the handshake is the first moment of introduction to sort of share your identity through whatever mechanism is at your fingertips literally no pun intended yeah and the handshake does that that is the representation of your character i mean of course your body language the the choice of words that you use um the tone of your voice eye contact another part of it uh and then of course the physical grip of the handshake mm-hmm. and you're right the handshake being a strong firm tighter grip eye contact you know presents a far more confident individual right yeah. and even in <coughs> my line of work now because when you had met my boss we're going back like 10 years ago of course and we were the kids yeah, basically then absolutely yeah, and that's true it may even have been 15 years ago i don't really remember but um yeah i went through the same experience exact same experience that you did with the same character that shook your hand did the same thing to me when i first met him and now that i'm in a more senior role in my industry and uh people introduce themselves to me particularly on construction sites you know if they don't present themselves with that firm handshake there is this subconscious like oh, what a fluff like i, I don't want to i i i'm gonna run over this kid yeah and he has no idea what's coming <laughs> yeah. because clearly he's got no spine when he comes to you know presenting himself so i have an opportunity here to to crush him and like i know the terminology saying crushing him is sort of symbolized through that handshake moment yeah right because you can literally physically crush their hand yeah um but it's obviously an allusion to i can crush this person through other means and methods absolutely right being more um <coughs> psychological or whatever the case is absolutely so and i think i mean i, I think anyone that takes business 101 in the real world will be taught the same lesson about first impressions mm-hmm. and the handshake says a lot about that and um i know that before we turn the microphone on we are sort of going down a road of talking about the evolution or the so what i'm looking for here um the the growth the path of growth from boyhood to manhood mm-hmm. and understanding sort of the stuff that you learn along the way and sorting through and filtering out what you should consider to be important and carry with you and what is stuff that is frivolous and can be left behind. And that journey takes a long, long time. And I think men really don't get to their true adult self until their late 20s nowadays. I think this is like a, a reference stat that people use. I don't know what the actual age is. or but Maybe I think even that- later. I mean, yeah, uh, even the the early thirties, you know, maturity is the word I'm looking for here. You reach full maturity of who you are. Your identity reaches maturity, uh, in somewhere in that range of late twenties to early Mm thirties. Um, and, and the path to get to that point in your life is, is a hell of a path. (laughs) You know, you you go through so many different things and this was one little experience that obviously left, uh, it, it it definitely resonated with you, obviously. It definitely burned something in my head. Yeah. My brain <coughs> said, this is important. Just so, a handshake. So let's try to un- unpack the idea of, like, what that journey looks like. What do you think are the milestone markers that are super important? 
because you've said yourself on this podcast, I don't know if you've said it on this episode, I know in previous episodes you've mentioned that you are, um, you consider yourself to be a mentor to many people, many many young men who are in their late teens, early 20s, and mm-hmm. you like to share your experiences and wisdom with them as an opportunity for them to experience, you know, to get some guidance, I guess, and sort of how to carry themselves, etc. Yeah. You know, sometimes through some mistakes that you've made and you share those with them. And sometimes it's just straight advice, like this is what I think you should do, like mm-hmm. the handshake. Mm-hmm. And um, I do want to start the conversation by talking about what does it mean to be a boy and what does it mean to be a man. Let's define those two uh, identities clearly yeah. and then we can sort of speak to how the evolution happens from, from boy to man. Um, and I, I think my initial take on what it means to be a boy and in today's day and age, what does it even mean to be a boy? Because this whole idea of uh, gender fluidity, etc. Um, I mean, but traditional boy, yeah, I think is you know the stereotypical thought of a young boy is a reckless, aggressive, sort of um, playful, jovial, yeah, yeah, kind of character who's you know out to experience as much as possible. Yeah. My son's one, and he's he's just over one years old now, and he's definitely very quickly accelerating into that process of wanting to learn everything and touch everything mm-hmm. and break everything, and like his favorite activity is going into his toy chest and just throwing shit everywhere. Yeah. You know, he takes his toys out one at a time and he just throws it across the room like that's literally his favorite activity. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious because I think it perfectly symbolizes what a boy is. Yeah. Right, and I think. <clears throat> This is a very high level, right, resolution in terms of what the definition is. I think the representation of a man is not much different than the boy. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that he's learned his boundaries and he's accepted responsibility. That's another part of the boy that I forgot to mention is that they're very irresponsible. You're right. And I think the man learns to tame that irresponsibility, mm-hmm. converts it into a more productive energy, mm-hmm. right? And he uses his energy effectively and efficiently, you know, sort of to optimize his responsibilities. Right. And a man is truly a man once he is able to confidently say that he is able to handle his responsibilities. That's my interpretation of a boy and a man. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I would like to eventually go into sort of understanding that transition. So, yeah, like, um, (laughs) I think you, you, you said it, you said most of it there, you know, boys are typically irresponsible. I think there's some, it's very, it's kind of, it's a, it's a, it's a very broad, you know, like th- there's lots Super of, high. yeah, lots of fields of thought here, you know, um, there is a book, I think it's called the King, the Magician, the Lover and the warrior i think um and these are all like four archetypical kind of goals of a man you know there are four quadrants like there is the man who is also a lover and he's compassionate you know um he's empathetic um there's a and then ultimately there's a warrior who's kind of steadfast with his responsibility and there's a king right but if you really pull back 
and on these in each of these kind of continuums you start to see characteristics of the boy you know you, you see like um you know there's a boy who's a lover right and maybe he got rejected when he's 10 years old and he kind of falls into this dreamlike state and he's just always dreaming mm -hmm. you know so dreaming is i think one <laughs> part of a of a boy right he's just a dreamer right um You've got like the king who's been given everything and he's just a can become like a he's setting himself up to be like a tyrant of some sort. Um, and this is like a Carl Jungian type of explanation. But once again, you know, um, you, you look like a Joffrey, you know, mm -hmm. like from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a, once again, a boy. Right. No real responsibility. Just kind of wants things, you know. Um, Earl Nightingale, and I'm going to refer to him like a, a lot of boys. What I notice is that they think they're going to one day drive like a like you know like a Ferrari, or they're going to own the world. But you know, I think the statistics on that is like out of a hundred of them, one of them will actually achieve that. But we all, as boys and men, have these dreams that things are going to be better, and one day we're going to um like own the world right but you know it's a very boyish thing when you lack the experience and you know trying to go down these these like i think i okay so what i like the way that you put that is that so because where my mind starts to go is the boy is full of ambition mm-hmm the man's responsibility is to convert that ambition into a reality. Right. And I think that the process of transitioning from boy to man is learning how to do that, learning how to convert your ambitions into realities. Right. And I think that <clears throat> the men, to use the term loosely, so the males who are older that should be at a point of being men mm -hmm. that are not capable of being responsible enough to convert ambitions into reality are looked at in our society as being less than men right like you're not mad you're not a man if you can't you know care for your wife and child you're not yeah. a man if you can't pay your bills you know and, and i mean <clears throat> where it becomes evident is when you're going into the world to select a partner and a mate you have a far less likelihood you have a far lower probability, sorry, of finding a partner who's willing to accept you because if you can't do these things, then what good are you? Like, you have no contribution to the to the household. And so, and what's very interesting is I think today more than ever, and we said that 27 to late, late, late 20s to early 30s is that transition point today. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. My parents had two kids, a house, job, two cars. At 27, their life was already like, yeah. you know, well into the process of being a full nuclear household. Right. Two kids, you know what I mean? Like the, and today that's not the case. It's not even close to the case. Like I think, I think men became men at younger ages in the earlier generations and men become men now in later generations. And I don't necessarily want to go into why I believe that is the case but it is an observation that I'm making. And I think, I mean, we're, we're kind of going to have to talk about it because the whole idea of that journey on how to go from being an ambitious person 
to a successful person, I think is, you know, relative to, you know, sort of when you have certain life experiences that allow you to progress. Like, so what I'm trying to get at essentially is today, A, we socially accept the coddling of younger generations, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. children, for a longer period of time. You're right. Where we don't put responsibility on kids at younger ages. Mm-hmm. That's one problem. I think the second thing is that um, we are generally going through second, um, secondary levels of education. Right? We're going, more and more people are going to college or university. And that slows down the clock too. Yeah. Because when you're in university, it is a part of the passage into understanding responsibility. Yeah. But parents were kind of like thrown into the deep end. Where it's like, you're not, they didn't go to university as often. They had to start working sooner. Right. They had to, there was an expectation to have a house sooner, a family sooner. Yeah. And you couldn't do that. If you're going to go to school, how could you possibly support a family while you're not working, but paying bills to go to university? It's just not realistic. So I think that that has contributed to the shift and, and to the pushback of when this <coughs> sort of evolution is taking place. But <coughs> just to get, a little more specific. I want to ask you a question about your history, particularly. Um, and I'll give you my experiences after you give me yours here. Um, but when you were younger, when you were, I don't know, eight, nine, what was it like in the household of Roy in terms of the teachings from your parents? Like, What wisdom was being shared with Roy and what lessons were being taught to Roy at that age? Um, that's a really tough question to answer. Um, I can just say that there was definitely a lack of like male role model. Now, it's not that my dad wasn't a man. It's just that the the teaching of his, because, you know, obviously, of course, he survived and he provided and, but the because of the amount of time and that people had to spend working, uh, there was not enough time to really guide like me and my siblings. Like we turned out as like, we're pretty much like feral children, like essentially. Um, and from the actual household, it's the tools used in India are a lot different for a man here. Right. So there's a lot of uh, tools that are stripped away and that causes a lot of men in our um, culture. Right. In our in our ethnicities to not be as effective in training and teaching children. Right. Um, And just to be like really forthcoming, um, there's definitely a power imbalance that happens right off the bat when from India to Canada right and the men take a lesser role here period and it's it's very it's it kind of speaks to the whole crisis of parenting you know um they're not as aggressive they're not as uh they're kind of more docile and you know um it's just not conducive to raising male children 
you know, um, it is a lot of stuff lost, you know, a lot of traditions lost when you come here. So, um, in my household, there was very little. And then I go into a school where there's maybe perhaps one or two male teachers where I learn an exponential amount, right? In fact, my male teachers in high school were the ones that even just from reading Shakespeare and I forgot who it was and I'm going to sound like an idiot here. I think it was Hamlet. It was King Hamlet, right? Uh, <laughs> King Lear. And then there was Hamlet. Ham wait, Hamlet was a king though, right? I actually don't remember to be honest with you. Okay. Well, there's one uh, Caesar, Julius Caesar. He yeah, there you go. So, you know, there's one moment where my teacher, he's a male and he's reading out like how on the dying breath of the king out in the field he's crying to his mother like hearing that from a man it permeates your soul because it's just like you've heard that trope where it's just like men just cry about everything he hurt his fucking finger and he's probably crying like a little you know whatever it is yeah, right yeah, yeah. and but just hearing that from him from his experience that like bro this is true like you know men are not good with pain we can endure a lot of stress but when it comes to pain, like we're like little boys, right? right? So that part of a man doesn't really leave, you know? Um, and, you know, through those, it's very inspiring for young men who are actually listening, looking for a role model. Obviously people are not listening, but you got this one kid named Roy in the class just listening to every word because it's like, holy shit, this is all I'm getting. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. you know, because I was aware going on to the job sites I learned from those men you know um, what I'm supposed to do responsibility and like don't take fucking shortcuts kid like you know like and also that urge to mentor like they didn't have to mentor me but they just saw like this 20 year old kid walking around like just a very nice and you're like you're too nice bro you know um, and just from these lessons I'm giving it to more kids with perhaps like parents that are not fully aware like i've spent a long time reading listening to other men talk about these problems that we're having as a culture and through that you know i'm having it with these some of these kids mm -hmm. and i'm showing I'm, I'm seeing very quickly that a 19 year old that comes in and he's working and he's just you know not doing any work and i have a conversation with him and, and you know i say like what you're doing here is you're trading time for money. Like this time is gone. You can't go back. Right. But what you could do is you can actually try here on this team and try to push yourself. And I guarantee you people will notice. Other men will notice. Women will notice that you're working hard. Most of the time they come back the next day and they're fully energized because my words are permeating deep within them. Mm -hmm. You know, and that could be my strategy. Other people can be a harder approach, but it's giving a message to guys that like, listen, there's meaning in this shit job of yours. There's a lot of meaning. Like there's a lot, like obviously it makes me look good, but there's a lot of meaning for you. And one thing is, it's like, I never treat, there is this narcissistic version of a leader that will just look at the output and look at, I think, the kids as a means to an end while i look at the kids as the end like 
Yes. And and there's a truth there. Like, sure, you can look good and you get your accolades. And, and then, you know, guess what? In a, in a couple of years, maybe in a couple of decades, this plant's going to get hot. It's going to we're going to be gone. You know what I mean? Right. Of course, that's like a very nihilistic approach. But what I'm trying to like allude to here is that, you know, perhaps if the younger generation does what they need to be need to do and we actually care that's one mistake that we're not looking as millennials we're not looking at how we were parented with the always your yo you're doing amazing bro and like here here's a little certificate for you you know what i mean yeah yeah the consolation the prize consolation like prize and it's like you're so great dude just for being you it's like no bro like that's why we're in this situation that's why our the leaders of our past like our, our past generation, they failed us. They absolutely failed us. But of course, it, it, I think failure was inevitable seeing the amount of technology and all this stuff kind of just pop out of nowhere. And we just kind of just got the shit end of the stick, right? And, uh, but what my part is, is like, and just going back to myself, like that's what it looked like. And that's why I'm on this journey to kind of just not blame people. Like, you know, just focus it inwards. Like, I am a Catholic, you're a Catholic, you know, and it it, it comes down to this kind of like Jesus Christ message where it's just like, uh, focus on yourself, right? The Buddhists teach it, the Christians teach it. Judaism teaches Judaism it. Judaism teach it. They all Islam teach it that it. like the yeah. pathway forward is by fixing yourself, yeah. right? And by fixing myself. Anyways, this is a kind of deep dive onto Roy's psyche. But that's here. that's perfect. Oh. You you said so many things that really inspire a lot of different thoughts with me. What I really find the most interesting is that you started by saying that you didn't really have um, a parenting structure in your life that sort of pushed the the the, the manly Roy out. Mm-mm. But yet you find yourself teaching the younger generation about how to be manly. So there's a, there's a weird irony yeah. there, right? It's it's sort of um, interesting that maybe you do it because you didn't have it and you feel as though you 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 wish you did have it when you were younger and now you have an opportunity to give it to somebody else yeah so perhaps that's where it comes from and maybe when you're a father one day that will bleed through into your child as 100%. well um my my upbringing was uh not very different so i'm the younger child my sister is the definition of like the perfect child yeah you know she's like the perfect human to be yeah honest. honestly yeah no, you know definitely. she's super kind she always cares about others she's super hard working she rarely complains about anything yeah um and like then you have me and like the ugly duck right you know <laughs> I, I just i don't know if it was uh, a subconscious thing as i was growing up that i could never live up to the expectations of my older sister but I was also the first boy in the house, mm. and that's a relatively big deal in Italian culture as well. And so there's an expectation from my father that I will always have to improve. It's like that's the only way I can put it. And this and this is something that I think when 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 a boy becomes a man, he understands this. And I don't think boys have the capacity to understand what it means. Like, see, growing up, it was very difficult to get. To have a conversation with my dad, um, well, when I was very young, it was easy because I was very young and kind of naive. But as I got older in like my teens and 20s, it's like I didn't really know how to communicate with my father because I always felt as though it was like 
constantly a message about like you're not doing it good enough you gotta do it better like that was like the repeated message that just constantly here mm-hmm. i hear in my head when i think of my father i think of him telling me how i can do it better period mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what task it is that i'm doing you know um and so i did have that manly father structure in my life where it was you know sort of imposed on me that you you have to be responsible you have to do your thing you know he showed me how to use tools he showed me how to build things around the house mm-hmm. uh, i kind of took it for granted then i regret now not participating more in it and taking it more seriously but again this is what i mean i think boys don't have the capacity to understand the value of these things and this is the journey it's learning to appreciate these elements of life yeah. because again yeah i was uh you know in my early teens i'm gonna be rich and i'm gonna be able to do this and i'm gonna have a fancy car and you know i'm a relatively intelligent person so and, and like not trying to boost myself or anything like that but like i school was easy for me i got good grades it was really really easy and i developed this like Oh, life's gonna come easy. I'm gonna be able to get all these things, no problem. I don't, you know. Yeah. But I didn't appreciate that it requires hard work to get these things. You can be as smart as you want. It's not gonna get you to the finish line. It's only gonna get you started in the race. Mm -hmm. You gotta, your legs gotta run still. You know what I mean? You you still have to put the work in. And that was something that took a really long time for me to recognize. And I went through my high school career just breezing through it because you know. Let's face it, high school, if you're a relatively intelligent person, is easy. Mm-hmm. The test questions are straightforward. Uh, but then you get to university, and university starts to put this challenge on you. And I found that the most interesting change in dynamic from high school to university, it wasn't even the difficulty of the material. It was the independence that the university provides to their students yeah. that you don't get. In, in high school, you're still being coddled. They're being coddled. And that's like horribly dangerous horrible and and this is what i'm referring to in terms of the issues that we have today that i think when our parents and maybe their parents were in school Mm -hmm. if they even went to school a lot of them dropped out of school in like grade eight grade nine Mm -hmm. like school wasn't a priority back then right and i think that this revelation of like making it a priority and has its consequences because there's a lot of coddling that happens in Mm -hmm. in the education system and then you get to university and there's like this hybrid reality where it's like okay yeah we're no longer going to coddle you you know we're not going to hold your hand we're not going to spoon feed you you're going to have to do the reading on your own you're going to have to do well in the tests you know we're not going to boost your grades and and maybe you fail but guess what the consequence of failing is nothing really you just failed you can do it again yeah um whereas one thing i just want to add here is like um and just kind of like comparing them both like women in high school were very obedient for the most part, when it came to doing your work, it's kind of a, but one part that I am very fascinated about is like boys, right? You know, do we want boys to be like obedient like that? You know, it, it, it takes a special like kind of teacher to even teach some of the boys. Like, you know, I'm, I have family members who got like 8% in physics. <laughs> Right. You know, that's how disobedient they were. And they're extremely successful today. You know, Um, I don't know, like just even when I think of it, it's just like I used to be that boy who was like following the rules and just doing everything and just trying to please at the teachers and all. But it didn't do anything for me. Right. It's only till I started like breaking the rules 
that I was able to break out of this kind of old Roy 1.0. So that that's fascinating to me because I also think that an element of the on the journey to manhood yeah. is venturing into the unknown. And like for for us, you know, growing up in a very structured suburban life there's rules for everything rules and, and you know yeah, yeah and you, you don't really get the opportunity if you're a parent a kid that listens to his parents you don't really get to go into these unknown places no and i think that in order to really get to manhood you definitely have to break some rules you have to break you know rules. you, you got you have to see what's on the other side of the fence you you need to explore that territory yeah. it's important to come back to the safety that you were in before but but you do need to have that experience because experience translates into wisdom. Yeah. And like everybody looks to the older generations for wisdom, right? And the reason why they do that is because they've they've done it. You know, yeah. they've done a lot of this stuff. And you know, just just to kind of like close off the 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 finishing of the stuff, the the telling of the story of the, the transition for me from so, university yeah. to real life. The 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 final step, of course, is jumping in. Well, not the final step, but the next step is jumping into the work world and you know uh, if you carry forward a mentality of i'm just going to rely on my intelligence to float me through if you didn't learn that lesson in university you sure as fuck are going to learn it when you go into the work world Mm -hmm. because people don't respect you just because you're smart people require you have to earn respect through results results yeah and results are usually achieved through hard work Mm -hmm. right dedication hard work that kind of stuff and these are now the principles. So by the time you get to that stage in your life where you're the working man, yeah, um, you start to kind of connect the dots between the messages that your father had, or for me, the messages that my father had preached to me when I was younger, where I kind of just like dismissed them and didn't take them seriously. Yeah. I didn't consider them in my calculation for my ambitions. Yeah. But now all of a sudden it's like, oh, you know, as I get older and next step and next step. So, you know, my next step after the working world was the marriage world and having a child. And like that for me was like obviously the most recent step. And man, I can't tell you how many times in a day or a week or a month I, I can, I can visually see exactly what my dad was trying to say to me then. And, you know, that to me represents uh, a some form of acknowledgement that I have now transitioned into manhood. Right. right? So I, I want to like really pick apart that like you broke the rules and then you came back and you acknowledged the tropes and cliches that we've been just fed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, that's the process like for a boy. That's a healthy process. It's like Break the fucking rules, destroy them, yeah. and just destroy. Just like you have a a bunch of ca- like I, I, you know, with my ex, there was a he, she had a little kid, right? And I bought him some blocks, and everything he did was once again, um, I think we talked about this at the beginning, destroying. Yeah, he'd build them up, and I'd say, hey, listen, no, 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 just like let's just build it up. Look what you can build. So he would build it up, and then he would look at it, and like there's something. He just starts like something in him just starts like jingling and then he just destroys it all rips it all apart. he rips it all i'm like come on man let's let's, let's do it again <laughs> but once again that's like a healthy process you destroy like the rules and you go out obviously you don't want to die or cause anyone else like a serious irreparable kind of harm sure but you come back and then you acknowledge 
the rules that your parents have been giving you like the whole time it's different from doing everything just like when we were in high school and we, I think we had this very similar kind of like path and this storyline where we just did everything they wanted us to do mm-hmm. and we were obedient and submissive and we were no threat you know there's no when you look at Simba Simba goes into the dark the, 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 the valley of the bones and he comes back you know as like a man yes you know um, when you look at you can start listing every single male hero out there there's always that journey that journey into like you look at batman you know you know he rich dude i mean it's just a regular boy but he got it got forced upon him right and you know at some point you have to crack and then venture off into the dark side and come back well i really i really like the lion king one because i'll tell you it's not just that he ventures off into um uh the dark lands He also Disobeyed meets the king. T- yeah. Timon, uh, uh, Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. And like, they are the perfect representation of like... uh Your boys. Like, let's just not give a shit. Yeah, you know? exactly. Let, let's just do whatever we want. Yeah. And that's perfect because mm-hmm. it, then it was like uh, a moment in his life where he got an opportunity to actually explore on his own will and test what he liked and didn't like. And that was part of his journey into manhood, right? Like, so I actually never really looked at Lion King as being the storytelling of boy to man transition, but it really is. It really is. It really is. Yeah, it is. And uh, (laughs) there's lots of parts of it. Like, and it's been definitely covered out on the internet. Like, everyone has their little psychoanalysis of it. But, like, even Anala comes back and she's literally like fuck the boys like the symbols like fuck the boys i'm going with her you yes, know what i mean yes yes and yes. it's just like it just shows that like okay it's like bro i thought you had some responsibility like you know what i mean but i guess not and like it starts to kick in you know it's like oh responsibility is kind of sexy like yes. you know what i mean um given it's the right stage and you've gone through the right you know his whole world was like disrupted and he left and he cause his father's death and whatever it is right but like look at the synergy of of the of the of our species because you look at a teenage girl mm. she doesn't find responsibility attractive Mm-mm. right she res- she respects the bad boy he, yeah. she respects the bad boy who's breaking the rules and in that phase mm-hmm. but as she matures she then looks to find a responsible partner right so that's that that i find fascinating because obviously we're, we sort of go on a journey concurrent to each other mm-hmm. um and their interests sort of align in their timeline with right with our you know yeah this that's is fascinating so like okay and obviously we're not like scientists and we're not studying the statistics but we're just using our intuition and we're looking mm-hmm. at our own observations and like because our journey has been lengthened at a certain stage which is like the education part mm-hmm. people are spending a lot more time that's a delaying us mm-hmm. you know i feel that's delaying men in general and then on the other side we were just talking about online dating right so it's like now what's happening there you know what i mean so you know our journey is not coinciding with the journey of women and 100%. it's not the same like that's one thing i want to like really put up we don't have the same it's not equal like we have different journeys like and it's just that's the way it is right I, I, and i think that today more more failed relationships are happening 
in the age group of like 21 to 25. Yeah. Because I find that the women are reaching a state of maturity before the men are. Yeah. And they're just looking at men who are their age, or I should call them boys, because mm-hmm. for all intents and purposes for our discussion, that's what they are at that age in, in their life. And they're looking at their 23-year-old boyfriend or 22-year-old boyfriend, and they're like, you're a fucking joke. Yeah. I'm looking for a man with responsibility, yeah. but boys nowadays at 22, 23 years old, don't understand that yet. No. They don't pick that up until their late 20s, early 30s. Because who's giving it to them? They have to learn it on a case-by-case basis. Right. Like, while in previous iterations of our, you know, our society, mm-hmm. it's just like it was, there was a definite path. Like, well, because those... it, was, it was trial by fire, Roy. So, yeah. like, you had to go to work at 19. Right. Right? So, you had to learn what it meant to have responsibility at yeah. work at 19. Now... You go to work after you finish university. Mm-hmm. So you start that process four to five years to seven to eight, depending mm-hmm. on what you do in school, mm-hmm. years later. So how could you really learn to appreciate that same responsibility that your parents did yeah. when they left high school? Yeah. Right? And like their parents probably didn't even go to high school. And they were working on the farms at the age of 14. Yeah. So they were understanding responsibility even younger. Yeah. Right? So like people were going through this journey a lot faster. Um and that's just like, we're talking about Western men, brought, raised, yes, and born yes, here. of course. Because, you know, even when our, our partner here, he came from India, right? And he came from India, and he had to, you know, it was a hard living there. He didn't want that type of life at like 18 years old, 19 years old. 19 years old. He came here, he got like a like an education permit to study here, and he liked it here, and he got his own place, and all stuff at 19. Yeah. You know what I mean? At 19. Yeah, so, if I told you what I was doing at 19, it, it's 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 a laughing stock in comparison. When those guys look at us, they're like, you guys are just wasting it. Yeah. You know, they're, you guys are just wasting it. Mind you, there's a lot more time for really great ideas to be incubating and more experience with play for us. But is it worth what we're giving up and what we're sac- sacrificing? That's my question because... At 19, if we weren't playing, perhaps we wouldn't even come up with this podcast. I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and or come up with greater ideas or, you know, we're starting this media brand or whatever you want to call it here. And we've got moving parts. We've got other projects than just risky thoughts, graphic design, merchandise, stuff like that. And people are actually liking it. But maybe we wouldn't have tried something so outside the realm of construction. You yeah, know what I mean? like my daily tasks are... It's very, it is very, because maybe this is something that we can explore because we are getting a little late into this recording now. Yeah. So, yeah. um, one f- possible future topic that we can explore is like the correlation between this extended jovial years yeah. to innovation, you know, yeah. in the world. I think that there's definitely, there's no questioning that innovation in the world is uncontrollably growing. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's a function of this. I wonder if there's like some psychological ties to the fact that we're spending more years being, um, I don't know, imaginative in the spaces yeah. that we are versus being more practical and working at younger ages. Yeah. Very interesting topic to explore. Um, Yo, we came up with freaking Uber Eats like... I know, let's not, let's not even go there because the number of ideas that we no, had... Exactly. <laughs> I know, man. We just figured we're going to create a podcast here where people can get some good ideas to make some great inventions. That's essentially... That was one of the reasons we made yeah, it. We're going to get royalties on anybody that's listening to this to get inspired right? by it. So No, for sure. Um, what, what I want to conclude with just very quickly is I want to ask you what your 
answer to this question is, and then I think I'll share my answer uh, as briefly as possible. But, you know, in discussing the journey of manhood, or boyhood transitioning into manhood, if you had to provide any advice to a boy at the age of nine, mm-hmm. a boy at the age of 18, and a call it boy at the age of 25, what advice would you give each one of those individuals? Oh, my God. That's a tough question, man, because like, that's a, I would I have you know me like I have to cater an exact response and it obviously depends to who. There's got to be some generic yeah, things, though, that you would want a nine year old like an 18 year old. We'll start with a nine year old. Like what would you tell a child? Oh, my God. 100 percent. And this is, is a boring. It's, it's as boring as it sounds. It's like you're going to be learning coding like you better freaking know how to manipulate these machines. Yeah, because uh, honestly. Like it's probably the biggest existential threat we know, like technology. Yes. And if you don't know, just like us, like I know you do, you can do a little programming, but we're archaic when yeah, it comes to that, in right? Yeah. And in not knowing how to how this how this like these um software related things work, you're screwed. Okay. And what about the eighteen year old? Eighteen year old. We'll just say teenager for that matter. Teenager. Okay. What's the most important thing for a boy going through his teenage years to know? Uh, you need to pick up as much responsibility as possible. And you need to start learning like yesterday, you know, um, and articulating it like that. Not like you got to do this. You got to do that. You know, you got to get your shit in order. No, no, no. It's just like you need to learn to pick up responsibility and it's what's going to make you the alpha in the group. Interesting. And the yeah. 25-year-old? A 25-year-old? So that's closer to now our age, right? Get, get in there, Not yeah. really. We're pretty old. Um, the 25-year-old. The 25-year-old. What do you tell the 20-year-olds that uh, work at that place? Yeah. I mean, you taught them about handshakes and you taught yeah. them about all these things. But if you had to sum that up into a nutshell... And into a sentence, what would your wisdom for them be? It was like pretty much it's sacrificing, and I always open up with that. I know you and what you're thinking. You're gonna be rich. I'm gonna tell you the truth. You're not. Like <laughs> and, and honestly, like because every boy thinks the same way. Every boy thinks the same way. All Interesting. Of them. They all think at some point, unless if you're not like neurotypical, but most neurotypical boys are just going to be like, you know, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to be like flashing. I'm going to be on a yacht and all that stuff. Cause that's what they see. That's yeah. What, that's, that's what they idealize. Yeah. And that's another topic for another Yeah. Day. That's another topic. But yeah, anyways, so 25 year old, I don't know, man. Like it's uh, like, he's just as fucked as the rest of us, <laughs> you know, like that might be a message that you can tell. Him. <laughs> yeah. I think if I had to give a very quick statement to a nine year old, a teenager and a young twenties to mid twenties, the nine year old, I would say play as much as you can. Don't be afraid to break bones. Don't be afraid to to do anything. Be fearless. That's yeah. what I would tell a nine-year-old because I think it's the most important time of their life to experience. The teenager, um, I would certainly tell them to humble themselves. I think that's a very important thing because I think the cockiness of teenage boys is, is like out of control because their hormones are all over the place. Yeah. So I would definitely start by humbling them by saying, you're not as good as you think you are yeah. and you don't know nearly as much as you think you do. Um, so be humble. 
And I think the 20-year-old or the person in their 20s, the boy in their 20s, um, my words would be, you're not working hard enough. You need to work harder. I think you need to understand that everything that you've gone through in your life is just the beginning and you're turning a corner into the real world and it's going to slap you in the face if you don't learn to work hard. Those would be my messages for the three different generations. So true. I think maybe we conclude with that and I don't know if you have anything to add to the end of that, but uh, I'm good. No. Um, I just want to thank everyone for listening and uh, we'll see you on a next episode of Risky Thoughts. Take care, everybody. Have a good night.